I am not an expert. I've never published a book or taught a class, but I love quilting, and I love talking about quilting. I make a lot of mistakes, but I like to think that sometimes I learn from them and get just a little bit better. If hearing about someone else's goofs and mess-ups makes you feel better about yours, then I've done my job. Join me now as we talk about quilting for the rest of us. Hey, I'm Sandy and I'm a quilter and welcome to episode 160 in which I talk about quilty resolutions. Again, it's the six month mark. I want to say thank you to everybody for listening. Thank you to um, old longtime listeners and thank you to new listeners. And thank you especially to those new listeners who are madly trying to catch up. You got 160 <laughs> episodes, so good luck with that. You know, if you can make it through them all, more power to you. Um, it is about the six-month mark now for the uh, Quilty Resolutions. I have posted the second quarter check-in uh, post on my blog. I sort of snuck it in there, you know, stealth-like, because I suddenly realized, oh my gosh, it's the end of the second quarter. And so I got the blog post, and there is a Rafflecopter giveaway, and there is a Linky Party. I got that all up there last week, Wednesday or Thursday, somewhere in there, Um but it actually, it's all live until next weekend. I decided to give people a fair amount of time since I'd given you so little warning <laughs> that it was coming. So again, as usual, I uh, welcome anybody to check in with how you're doing on your Quilty Resolutions. If you did them through this podcast, I did also post a link to the spreadsheet again that has everybody's resolutions in case by now you've completely forgotten what they are. Um, if you did not do your resolutions through this podcast and blog, that is absolutely fine. If you made any resolutions around Quilty or had any um, plans for 2014, uh, go ahead and check in with us as well. Let us know how you're doing on your, um, on your resolutions. Again, there's a Rafflecopter widget giveaway. I'm giving away four fat quarters. And one of the um, entries in order to enter, you do leave a comment on the blog, but even if you leave a comment on the blog, you still have to go into the Rafflecopter widget and note that you've left a comment on the blog. Because when I go in to choose a, winter, a winner, I only do it through the Rafflecopter widget. I don't go back and look at the blog comments. Um, so make sure you've done both steps. And then there's a couple of other things you can do uh, to also earn extra entries in the giveaway. And then, of course, there's the Linky Party. If you want, to, if you're a blogger and you want to write a blog about where you're going, doing, how you're doing on your resolutions, go ahead and do that, and then go back and and click on the link to add your blog to the Linky Party. And for everybody else, make sure you click on that same link to see who else has linked up for their Linky Party. I think there's one or two already there. I did not check this morning. Um, but I think I remember getting notifications that a couple of people have linked up. And again, it's live all week this week. I think I have it going until midnight my time Saturday night so that I can make the drawing on Sunday morning. Um, or, you know, sometime Sunday, whenever I get to it. <laughs> so again, that's the Quilty Resolution second quarter check-in. We're at six months, folks. Did you know 2014 is half over? That kind of took me by surprise. So for my podcast, I am going to be, uh, for this episode, I'm going to be talking about my own quilty resolutions a little bit later. Uh, but first, some Sandy update. I've had just a really wonderful weekend this weekend. We've had nothing on the schedule. Uh, so getting some stuff done around the house, getting some quilty stuff done, although not as much as I'd hoped. It turned out yesterday was mostly a prep day, but I'll talk about that a little bit more uh, later. 
My husband and I went to our uh, jazz festival last night every year. Our city has a jazz festival, as so many cities do. And uh, every year we've always said, oh, we should get over there. And I don't think we've gotten over there yet. So we did finally go over last night. We were there kind of early. Most of the concerts don't really start until, uh, you know, it's one of these things where there's several venues all on the streets. They kind of block off the entire downtown area of the city. And then there's food trucks and food vendors and, and um, all of the musicians. They don't have much in the way of other vendors. There's one little, you know, festival tent where they sell some t-shirts and CDs and stuff. But for the most part, it's just food and alcohol and um, the jazz, the jazz bands themselves. And most of the, the kind of big name concerts don't really get started until 8.30, 9 o'clock. Um, but they have a lot of local bands or uh, a lot of high school bands come in and play for it, that kind of thing. We were both pretty tired, so we went early. Um, I think we got there around 6.30 and had actually a pretty decent, um, what did I have? A chicken, it was chicken sausage with spinach and feta, I believe, at one of the food tents. And it, it was not bad. I've had better, but it wasn't bad for, you know, street food. <laughs> and uh, then... Um, we wandered around a bit, listened to some a couple of bands. There wasn't much playing while we were there. Like I said, most of them don't get really started until 7.30. So you heard like a little ensemble sitting inside one coffee shop and a lot of piped in music, that kind of thing. Um, and, you know, just wandered around for a couple of hours. By the time we finally left, I shouldn't say finally, we left around, it was around 9 o'clock. And that's when the crowds were starting to come in. We really had to kind of sift our way through <laughs> In order, because I believe it was uh, George Thorogood, I think, was playing in the stage we had to walk by in order to get back to the parking lot where we'd left our car. Um, you know, neither of us is huge George Thorogood fans, so we didn't really stay and, and listen. And we were really just trying to work our way through the crowd at that point. But boy, that was that was packed in that area. Um, I am sorry that we didn't really plan ahead. Unfortunately, all the publicity really started coming out at the end of May, when both my husband and I were just going great guns, different directions, traveling and having all sorts of stuff to go. So we kind of made note of some of the headline acts that were coming in, but we didn't do anything about it. And I'm the one I'm really sad about is uh, Steve Martin and his band. Uh, well, I can't remember what they're called. It's not his band. It's a band that he now plays with and they do bluegrass. And they were doing a concert. And I'm sorry we missed that because by the time we did get kind of get our heads together and say, okay, yeah, we are going to be around that night. Let's try to buy tickets. They were already sold out. So we didn't get to so go see that. Um, so anyway, that was a nice evening last night, very casual, low key, and it was beautiful weather. It was warm, but not stiflingly hot and not nearly as humid yesterday as it is today. Man, it's a steam bath out there today. Uh, this morning, my daughter and I made our first farmer's market for a farmer's markets around here don't really get rolling until Father's Day, really. So we're only a couple of weeks delayed uh, going. But there's a small one in the next small town over from us, kind of right on the way to the grocery store that we go to. And so we went this morning. Um, and by small, I mean, they have maybe 10 vendors, maybe thereabouts. Um but, you know, you don't need much as long as they've got the produce you want. And so we got some nice tomatoes, although those are hothouse at this point because tomatoes don't really kick in until August around here. Um, and we got some, what else? Oh, various beans and leafy greens and strawberries. Oh, the strawberries. Very tasty. This is strawberry season right now here. Uh, so anyway, that was a very nice little thing, too. And I, I like 
that that farmer's market I particularly like, partly because it is small, so it's manageable. You can kind of do your first scout through in about five minutes, kind of look at who all's there and what do they have and decide which booth you want to go back to for what product. <clears throat> and and um, it's also nice because I recognize a lot of the names, not necessarily that I know people personally, but you recognize the farms, you know, from driving by them. So it is, it's nice to have that real local feel. A lot of times bigger farmers markets have a lot of um, wholesalers that come in. Some of them disguise themselves <laughs> as more local markets. Some of them are just, you know, unabashedly a wholesaler and they're loading stuff out of their truck and you don't really know where it came from. So this one I like because, yes, like I said, I recognize all the names, you know, <laughs> they are definitely local folks now. Uh, there are a couple of people there that I kind of wondered, were they just um, reselling stuff that they had bought from somewhere else? But from conversation, it, yeah, I felt pretty confident that most of them had actually made it themselves. So that felt kind of good. Um, so that was nice. That was a, a very, I'm feeling very uh, yay hometown supportive <laughs> this weekend. It was very pleasant. What else have I gotten done? Um, not much in the last week. I got... Uh, my hand dyeing is sort of on pause at the moment. I ran out of the scarves I've been dyeing. I had to buy some more, and I'm waiting for them to get to me now. That's not altogether a, a bad thing, because I still have a pile here I've got to press and fold and, and put them in the thing where I'm storing all those scarves. So it's kind of nice to have a little bit of a break from that. Um, I did intend to get some hand dyeing going yesterday, but then I realized I needed it. Has It's going to take me longer than I thought. I want to use... Um, a resist that I've had for a while and haven't tried yet, it's corn dextrin. And there's corn dextrin and potato dextrin, and you mix them up, um, you know, separately. They both have different effects, and so you have to mix them with boiling water, and you create this kind of solution. Um, and then it kind of gets a little bit thick. It, it becomes sort of, the, the corn dextrin becomes sort of the um, consistency of a thicker than like a chowder soup, um, but not quite as thick as like jello or pudding you know it's kind of somewhere in between there uh but what i realized is you know i should have really said you know i always do this i've read through all the instructions i've read through how to do it months ago decide this weekend oh i'm going to do it and don't go back and read through <laughs> everything again it wasn't a problem in terms of mixing everything up what i what i ran into is this is going to take me a lot longer to do than i thought because you have to, corn dextrin is, both of them, corn and potato dextrin, are both water soluble. So you can't use them in immersion dye techniques, which is what I normally do. So I'm going to have to make more of a, um, I'm, I'm going to have to apply the dye differently. And so now I'm kind of debating how I'm going to do that. But even at that, because it's water soluble, that also means, oh, I have to actually soak the fabric in soda ash first, which is not a big deal because I do that all the time too. But then I've got to let that soda ash fabric dry before I can even put the corn dextrin on it. So, you know, here I start out yesterday afternoon all gung-ho to get some stuff in the dye baths and everything and realize, no, I can't really do that. So I've got the corn dextrin made. I soaked the stuff in soda ash and then let it dry. I haven't gone down to the basement yet to see whether it's dry, but later this afternoon, I'm hoping that then is dry enough that I'm able to put the corn dextrin on. And then I have to let the corn dextrin dry. <laughs> before I can then dye it. So this is going to take me, you know, another couple of days to be able to get just the dye on there, let alone see how it worked and everything. So that's that's going to be longer than I thought it was going to be, but I'm still interested in, you know, working with the, the corn dextrin. Now, the nice thing is I made it by the uh, recipe that's from, uh, I think I got this all from Dharma. 
I believe, maybe from ProChem. I don't remember now which one it's from, but um, they give you, you know, the list of how to, the instructions, how to make it up and how to, to use it. And so I used their recipe for making it and it makes a boatload. <laughs> I hadn't really kind of conceived of how much of this stuff I was going to end up with. Now it does last a month, um, but it just means I'm going to be doing a whole lot of resists in the next month to try to use this stuff up before I have to get rid of it. Um, and unfortunately, it also needs to be refrigerated, which means I'm now taking up room in my refrigerator because I don't have an extra fridge in the basement. Um, and we've got a party coming up. So actually, I need to use it before the party because fridge space becomes really, uh, really tight <laughs> when we host a party. Anyway, um, so that's all a bunny trail that you didn't need to know about. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at with the dyeing. I prepped some stuff yesterday, but didn't actually get to dye it. Uh, and now this afternoon, later this afternoon, I'm going to try to go down and do the next step, but still not actually get to the dying. Uh, the other thing that happened this week, I did take the first of my two spinning classes. If you recall, I think I talked about this in my last episode. Last Wednesday, I did the first half of the class, which was all on the drop spindle. And then this coming week, uh, we're actually on a spinning wheel. Drop spindle, I've been working on that on and off over the spring, so I already had some familiarity with it walking into the class, and it turns out I think that's kind of a good thing, because the woman who's leading the class, very, very nice, but I wouldn't call her a teacher, I would call her a demonstrator. Um, she, when I, I got there a couple minutes late because I got stuck in this massive traffic jam for no reason. I never could, <laughs> you know, once it loosened up, I was like, okay, what happened? Um, but... In any case, so I got there about five minutes late and she had already, she had a bunch of fibers out on the table and she was kind of talking people through what the different fibers were. Um, but even at that, it was sort of off the cuff. She hadn't really prepared, okay, here's the first fiber I'm going to talk about and here's the second one. And she didn't talk about the, the qualities of the fibers. She didn't talk about long staple versus short staple and any of that kind of stuff. Now, again, because I've already done some study and I've taken some classes online and I've read some books and talked to people and stuff, I already walked in with a certain amount of knowledge. There's only three of us in the class. I think there's supposed to be four, but one woman didn't show up. One woman has been spinning for 25 years. I'm not entirely sure why she's taking the class, but, you know, she, whatever, she's taking the class. Um, she did have a couple of questions because I guess she uses a wheel and less the drop spindle, but she has done some work with the drop spindle. So she had a couple of questions, but mostly she just sat and spun during the class. Um, and then the other woman, this was the first time she'd ever touched it. So she was very confused, although I will say her finished product was much nicer than mine was, but she was using a fiber that the teacher had given her. I was using fibers I'd come in with that I bought at the fiber festival and, the thing I did learn from this class is really there is a lot of difference between the, I mean, I knew there's a lot of difference between the fibers, but using the different spindles with the different fibers does make a difference. When I started with my own spindle, um, I have two, I have a top whirl, you know, one that where the, the ball is on the top and then I've got a bottom whirl where the ball is on the bottom. It's not a ball, it's a flat disc. Anyway, um, I was using the, well, I've used both of them. When I went into the class, I was going to start using my own top whirl, but I was having some problems with it. And so she said, well, here, why don't you try mine? And she gave me hers, which was a little bit heavier. And man, it worked so much better. It, it was really a huge difference and it felt good. And I was spinning much more consistently and it, it really made a difference. Um, and then that was brought home to me again when I was this, or this morning, I was practicing on my spindle again and started a new set of fibers, which was again, the thicker um, fibers that I'd been using last Wednesday. 
and was using it on my own drop spindle and I was having problems again. So I'm really thinking, okay, you know, maybe I need to get a different top whirl spindle. Um, I did do better. I also tried with my bottom whirl spindle this, uh, this morning as well. And that's a heavier weight spindle and that worked better than my smaller top whirl spindle on the same fibers. Um, so I think for now I'm going to keep working on the bottom whirl, but there's some differences with that one too. So it's all, you know, it's really a matter of just getting comfortable with the the process, but then you really have to tweak it up depending on what fiber you're working with. And that was kind of the main thing I, I came out of that class with on Wednesday. I hadn't learned anything more than I already knew. It was extraordinarily helpful though to have somebody watch what I was doing. And she was able to say, um, you know, basically my form was okay, I was doing everything okay, but she was able to give me a couple of tips that did make things work better. And then mostly we talked about the differences in fibers and she kind of looked at some of the fibers I had and she said, yeah, this one's going to, you know, you're getting that effect because of this fiber. And so here's what you're going to need to do more, that kind of thing. And one of the issues I've had from the beginning is not really knowing how much I should draft, which the drafting is where you separate the fibers before you start spinning them. And the amount you draft your fibers depends on, that makes the difference in how thick a yarn you're actually spinning. And so I just wasn't sure how much I was supposed to be drafting it. And so it was helpful having her watch me do it and say, yeah, you can go further than what you've done and you can draft it a little bit more. And, you know, here's how you can hold your hands differently. So that was very helpful. And then, of course, it was just helpful spinning for about two and a half hours straight, really. Um, and we also, for the first time, I actually took yarn off of my spindle. Um, she had a, a ball winder a yarn ball winder and so I was able to wind off the ball and then I also got to ply so I had done two single thread spun um, yarns and then I got to spin them together so I have a two ply yarn and that was the first time I'd ever done that she showed me how to do that so I did learn that which was helpful too um, and I also decided yeah I really need one of those ball winders so <laughs> I'm gonna have to do some uh, looking online that part isn't so expensive there's other equipment i could probably use that is more expensive that one's not bad so i'll probably get that so altogether, that drop spindle class was was helpful but i am glad that i already knew something walking in because like i said she didn't teach a lot of information she demonstrated and then basically let us just start spindling and would check in with us at that part she was very good at that um, I'm actually a little scared about getting on a spinning wheel this coming Wednesday, not because I'm, a, you know, scared I'm not going to do it right. I'm scared I'm going to fall in love with it. <laughs> I'm, I'm really a bit worried that I'm going to really enjoy being on a spinning wheel. And that is not something I need to get myself right now. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to being able to try it out. I haven't ever sat down on a spinning wheel and tried to spin. So I'm really looking forward to having that opportunity, but <laughs> I am a little worried about the end results. So I'll keep you posted on that one. Um, okay, I did get my postcard for Sandy of Quilt Cabana Corners summer postcard swap. I finally got it done and in the mail. I think I talked about that last week. Um, and it has been received. So I did post a blog post about it. You can see pictures of um, the postcard I got from my swap partner who is at Eileen Sideways and aka Sue and as well as the postcard I made her, which um, is related to a previous project I made. So I won't go into all of that because it's on my blog. Um, I've gotten some very nice comments and feedback on that, so thank you. Um, I really did enjoy working on mine, and I'm looking forward to doing more in that series. <laughs> and 
and I can see the one that Sue sent me here. I've got all the postcards I've been getting from the swaps hanging on my wall. And so, you know, I can see them right when I'm sitting at my desk. It's very nice. So I appreciate that. Thank you for the postcard, Sue. And I'm glad you like mine. Um, now, after I had talked last week about the fact that I still hadn't finished my uh, cutting table, done the final details of it, I finally got to the point, I was like, this is stupid that I haven't gotten this done. I just need to get it done. And so I did get it done. I um, Last Sunday, I finally just buckled down and I put the edging strip on it, which is done with an iron. <laughs> and so it was a little bit awkward here and there trying to maneuver my iron around the edge of this table. Um, but I did get it done. And then all I did was um, I just attached the top to the top of the bookshelves with 3M strips and because it's a heavy top so I'm not really worried about it going anywhere but you know it would just slide a little bit here and there so the 3M strips all they do is just hold that top in place so it is really nice having that completely done now um, mostly it's not snagging my clothes anymore <laughs> the edge of the the unfinished edge of the top did keep snagging my clothes and so it's nice not to have that anymore and it's just nice to have that look finished so that got done thank you for being the inspiration for getting that done. You know, I was thinking last week about why do I podcast? You know, this is, I enjoy doing it, but what value um, has it or what change has it brought? I don't know what I, what I was thinking, but I was kind of thinking about um, the whole purpose of this podcast. And I realized, well, you know, one thing is it it's really kept me honest. <laughs> it's kept me working on things because I do find myself thinking, oh man, I really ought to get something done this week. So I have something to talk about. <laughs> On the podcast so that's been helpful and this time yes you did inspire me to get my cutting table finished so thank you for that again there's a blog post about that last week if you want to look at pictures and I once again do want to give a shout out to Tanisha of Crafty Garden Mom podcast because she was the one that made the cutting table that she posted on her blog that got me really thinking I really wanted to make this now it was one I had seen floating around it's on Pinterest and, and stuff and I'd looked at it before and thought yeah it might be one that I want to make um, but seeing it on Tanisha's blog and hearing her talk about doing it really made me think, yeah, okay, that's the one I want to do. So thank you, Tanisha, for doing that. You did inspire me. Um, I did also, I tweeted last week, I finally got my hammock chair replaced. I have had, oh, almost since we moved into this house, there's this one tree in the backyard that had one branch that was just perfect to hang a hammock chair off of and so I got it you know maybe the summer after we moved in here a uh, couple of years ago it finally broke or maybe it was at the very beginning of last summer um, because you know it hangs out all summer and inclement weather and everything the rope that it's made of eventually does you know after several years <laughs> sort of deteriorate um, and so the one of the threads snapped or one of the ropes snapped so I had to get rid of it last year and then I never replaced it last summer because I couldn't find one locally um, went into this spring, so still couldn't find one locally and finally ended up ordering one off of Amazon and, and put it up. Um, this thing is stinking huge. <laughs> it's much bigger than my last chair was. When I, when I get into it, I can fully stretch out. Um, my old chair, I could only partially stretch out. This one I can fully stretch out. And it's nice. It's, it hangs a hair higher than my other one. So I'm hoping it stretches out over time. I have to sort of wiggle it under me and then sort of jump up and back in the same, at the same time. And I, all I can think is, thank God I still don't have neighbors yet. 
Because by the time they build the house, I'm going to, you know, it's going to be a little awkward. Me, it, I, It's not graceful, me getting into this hammock chair. And it's equally not graceful, me getting back out of the thing. Um, so at least I, I think I'll have the summer. They haven't even started to cut, you know, they haven't even sent the rock hound yet into the property next door. Um, that's something I've been tweeting about. I don't know if I've talked about it on this podcast. I'm sorry. But there's been an empty lot next to our house, the only one left on the street, um, I think at this point is right between our house and the next house over, which is kind of down the hill from us. And it's been, we've been in this house for about nine years now. So I've kind of gotten used to trees over there and shrubs and all the little critters that live there. And it's right outside my office window. So when I'm in my office, all I'm seeing over there is trees. And pretty soon the property did just finally sell um, a few weeks ago now, maybe a month ago. Uh, and so I was kind of worried that they were immediately going to break ground and start building and that there hasn't been any movement over there whatsoever yet. So at this point, you know, I still, I'm waiting every day for somebody to show up and start plowing that under, but it hasn't happened yet. So I'm kind of hoping maybe I'll make it through the summer (laughs) and then, you know, maybe next by next year, they'll have it in there. Anyway, that's a whole other bunny trail. Um, what else did I do? I did get my Superior Threads order. I mentioned that I'd ordered some threads from Superior Threads, and I did get that. Um, I bought a a big honking thing on sale of bottom line thread that I thought was going to match the project that I'm working on, and it did not match. So now I've got a big honking spool (laughs) of turquoise bottom line thread. But I I don't know why they called this turquoise, because it definitely looks more teal to me. That was what threw me. It, It has a brighter more true turquoise look on the website but when I got it in person it's got a lot more dark green feel to it which meant it did not match the the fabric I was using at all um it you know it'll get used eventually but that was kind of disappointing and uh I so I ended up going out yesterday to Joann's to buy sulky thread to um finish this project normally I'm not a huge fan of sulky but I decided for this project it would be fine um and actually, I'm, I'm finding the threads working quite well, so I, I guess I'll have to ease up on my <laughs> opinion of Sulky. I think it just depends on uh, which of their lines of Sulky threads you use. So anyway, um, I've been working on that. Uh, I also got three samples of their Rainbow Variegated line. Unfortunately, there's no names of these, or I, I would tell you, oh, I got this one and I got that one. They're, they're only numbered. So I got 821, 836, and 839. Does that mean anything to you? <laughs> I can see some of you. Oh, yeah, 839. That's my favorite. Um, 821 is kind of a pink or red, orange, purple, turquoise, yellow, green. It's it's kind of hard to tell what all colors in there because it seems to have a, either more colors or the variegation might be shorter. But I think they've all got a one-inch variegation anyway. There's a lot going on on that spool. 836 has fewer colors. It's turquoise, spring green, yellow, and orange. That one I'm looking forward to using. It seems very, very pretty. And then 839 is very dark. It's a navy blue, pine green, yellow, maroony red. That one's going to be harder for me to use up because I don't, those aren't colors I really work in. So that one might be on my shelf for a while, but it's still, it's, you know, fun to have the different options. So that that's always, uh, again, from last week, if this is the first time, if you missed last week's, when you go on Superior Thread website, you can order what they call samples, and it's a little bit less of various of their lines they make available. I paid, I think, $5 a spool for the rainbow, but you don't choose the color. That's the thing. They just send you 
won randomly. And so it is, you know, it's a bit of a lottery, but, <laughs> but it is fun to see what you get. Um, and then I also got a spool of vanished light, but it, it's smaller than I thought. Um, and I, you know, I'm learning about yardage listings and stuff as we go on this. This one, the vanished light is only 300 yards, whereas standard spools are somewhere around 500. It should be enough to baste quilts. Um, and I am keeping it in a Ziploc bag because, like I said, it's really humid around here these days and I don't want it dissolving on the spool before I'm able to actually use it. So I was a little disappointed in how small a, a spool it is. But again, because it is sort of weather sensitive, maybe it's better to have less of it at any given time. Uh, the only other comment I want to make about thread. Um, I did finally get to quilting on the graduation gift project, and I'm going to be talking about that a little bit more um, later. But I started out using a spool of thread that had been in my stash for a while. And I don't know who makes this. I do not recognize the logo on the spool. I don't remember where I got it. It's it's called Art Thread. That's the only thing that's on there. And it has some sort of a manufacturer's label, but it has no name of a manufacturer on there. And um, there is a web address on there, but wouldn't you know when I poked the hole through uh, the label to be able to put it on my spool winder thing on my sewing machine, it poked right through the web address. So I can't, I can't even read the web address. Um, so I, I I don't have any real information about this, but I know it's a poly and it's, I think it's uh, 40 weight, but it is shredding like the Dickens. I had to um, trim it like three different times and rethread because it kept shredding. So if you see anything without a real clear identifying label that says art thread on it, it's gorgeous color, but I cannot remember who made this. I'm sure I picked it up, you know, at some vendor at some quilt show because I tend to buy samples of thread here and there, uh, but I'm, I'm not loving it. Now, fortunately, I think it's the only, oh no, I see another spool over there on my thread rack that looks much the same, like it might be from the same manufacturer. Uh, so... I, I can't be any more specific than that if any of you have something called Art Thread. And it's not, I think Ricky Tim's line is called Art Thread, but this isn't that same thing. Um, so I was getting a little frustrated with that, but fortunately I finished off the part I was using that thread on, and now I'm using the Selkie, which, you know, seems to be working fine. Later editorial comment, I did check that other spool. Yes, it is the same maker. It is Iris. The website is Helos. Iris, H-I-L-O-S-I-R-I-S. I lost track of how many I's and R's I just said in there. But anyway, it's Iris Trilobal Polyester Thread is the one that I was having problems with. So it's not one of the big names that we're all familiar with. They do have gorgeous colors. And it says it's primarily for high-speed computerized embroidery machines. So maybe that's the issue, that that's not what I'm using. In any case, that's the thread I was just whining about. So that's my Sandy update. Um, for content, I just wanted to talk a little bit today about Quilty Resolutions. Um, where I stand on my Quilty Resolutions, I did uh, do a blog post outlining what I've accomplished. I don't think it's gone live yet. I think it's going live later this week. But I do go through and talk about my three resolutions had to do with finishing off Craftsy classes, um, using my stash, and becoming more confident with machine quilting. Those were my three quilted monkeys on my back. And I'm basically doing really well on all of them. Like I said in my blog post, I, I get more specific about that. Um, I'm really about where I'd like to be at this time of year, if not actually even a little ahead on the Craftsy classes. I didn't think I'd get as many finished as I've been able to finish. 
and I'm really finishing them. I'm not, in the past, a lot of times I would get a class and then I'd just kind of watch the videos while I was doing other things. So it's questionable how much I really absorbed and, and I'm going to be eventually going back and redoing some of those. Um, but this time I'm really, even if there's been a couple where it really is just sort of watching the lessons because I'm not, you know, they don't have a project with them and I'm using information I'm learning from them in other projects. So it's, it's not like I'm sitting there doing the project, but I am taking notes. I am engaging. So I'm, I'm really um, paying attention to every one of those classes. Um, what I wanted to talk about more is what have I gained by keeping myself focused on these resolutions. And it really, it, it feels good. It's not, yes, there's a sense of accomplishment. That's obviously the first thing. When you finish something you wanted to get done, it always feels good. You know, I love the fact that I finally have my cutting table done. It's a sense of accomplishment. You can check that box and, and move on. Um, it's really nice that when I'm able to mark a class, a crafty class as done, no, I've actually done it. That's a sense of accomplishment. I finally feel like, oh, good. You know, that's not weighing on my mind anymore that that's still sitting there and I haven't really taken the time to look at it. Um, in terms of the classes, yes, I have picked up a whole lot of new tips and tricks. I feel like I've learned a lot in these last six months, um, both in terms of quilting and cooking, because I do a lot of classes in both categories. Um, I also did a photography class and looking forward to starting the next one that I've got. But I have picked up a lot. I, I, I don't think there's a single class that I've taken yet that I haven't picked up at least one tip. Some of them I don't learn as much because I already pretty much know everything they're talking about, um, but I still pick up a new tip, and that always feels really good. Um, but some of the classes I really am learning a whole lot, so that's been wonderful, um, especially now that I'm in this uh, work-life mode that I can't get to in-person classes as much as I used to. Uh, so that's been really, really good. Um, and the third one has to do with my uh, third quilty resolution is I am far more confident in machine quilting. Several of the classes, crafty classes I've done have been around machine quilting. Um, and I am feeling more confident now. I'm not necessarily a whole lot better. <laughs> I think, you know, some of them I have gotten better. Um, but it's more, I'm, I'm more willing to just sit down and have at it. You know, I used to hold off machine quilting. I had so many UFOs that were sitting there just because I had to machine quilt them. And I really was afraid I was just going to ruin it by sitting down with my lack of skills. And now I'm, I'm more likely to feel like, yeah, it may not come out the way I want it, but it's probably not going to be completely ruined. And a lot of times I can fix my first mistake. You know, um, I've learned some ways to cover up <laughs> what I haven't done as well than others. Uh, and case in point, this graduation gift I'm working on is not a type of project I probably would have taken on last year this time. Um, it is pure machine quilting. It's it's not a pieced project at all. It's not fused. It's nothing. It is just a whole cloth quilt, essentially. Now, it's, it's small. Um, it's less than a fat quarter size. So I kept it small and manageable. And uh, it is mostly freehand, which also keeps it a little bit easier. Although I do, I still mark some things. So what I've done is there's a couple of words in the center that I outlined, and I think I talked about that on a previous podcast, that I outlined stitch. So those will kind of stand out. And then I did 
I didn't do a whole feather wreath. I did like one curved feather over the top and a uh, another curved feather under the bottom facing opposite direction. So it's sort of like this oval, you know, that goes around the words. Um, and then I did a couple of lines connecting those two feathers on the side. And now I'm going through and I'm doing little tiny circles around the feathers. Um, I had kind of initially thought I would do circles all on the inside between the feathers and the words. But now I'm kind of rethinking them that I'm thinking partly because <laughs> I'm getting a little tired of doing circles. Uh, but I'm also thinking it would be more interesting to vary that. So I'm doing circles from the insides of the feathers towards the words, but not all the way to the words. I might do some circles around the words heading out towards the feather a little bit, but then I think I'm going to do straight lines between. And that's um, this, this project I feel like is very much a compilation of what I've been learning from Craftsy this year. The feathers I did were very much Ann Peterson style. <laughs> they were, I did them the way I had learned um, in her class. And then, uh, so it's sort of a mix of freehand and marking. What I, because I don't trust myself totally yet to freehand a feather well when that's the only thing there. Um, so I did kind of draw it out for myself first, but I didn't use a spool or anything. I, I did freehand draw it, but I drew it with chalk. So I, if one came out kind of funky looking, I just, you know, kind of wet it down, got rid of the chalk and did it again. But then when I go back and stitch it, I'm not necessarily hitting all those marks. <laughs> and in fact, in some cases, I'm way off the marks, but they still look better. Mostly that marking just gave me the confidence to be able to then sit down and, and do the feathers. So the feathers are very much thanks to Ann Peterson. And then... The circles are something I knew before, and both Anne and Cindy Needham both had them in their class, so I can't really, you know, attribute that to one or the other. Um, but I will say the straight line thing is from Cindy Needham's class, and it's it's very, very, very skinny, close together straight lines. Um, although straight is not necessarily a factor. She, <laughs> she talks a lot about, you know, don't measure this out and draw it. Just kind of give yourself a few to keep you as a guideline but then just do the rest freehand in between. And I think it'll look pretty cool to have circles coming out either way and then straight lines in between. And then I think around the outside of the feathers going out to the edge of the quilt, I think I'm just going to do that all straight line, although I have to kind of figure out how I want to do that, whether I want to do it all straight line one direction, whether I want to do it kind of a cross-ass thing. That I'm still kind of pondering while I'm sewing. And in fact, that's actually why I'm recording this podcast right now because I worked on circles for about an hour and a half and you know you get to the point where when you're doing something long enough your body kind of goes numb <laughs> that probably sounds really terrible um but I found just from the vibrations of the machine I got up at one point to kind of walk around and stretch a little bit I got up a second time to go get myself a glass of water and both times I was like oh I felt kind of like I was floating because <laughs> I've been sitting and vibrating <laughs> for like 45 minutes. <laughs> I guess it's sort of like one of those, you know, vibrator chairs when you're getting your, uh, getting a pedicure and the, the massage thing goes and the chair is vibrating and you turn it off and you sort of feel like, woo, I'm kind of floating out of the chair. Um, sorry, another bunny trail. <laughs> so anyway, um, the graduation gift project, you know, when I look at it, sure, it's nowhere near perfect. Sure, it's nowhere near what I see on other people's blogs and magazine covers and all that kind of thing. But you know, it's, it's works. It's not bad. And the person who gets it won't know the difference. <laughs> and so I think, and they'll, they'll just love the fact that it will clearly look like somebody put a whole lot of time into this. Um, 
so that was nice. And, and like I said, I do feel like I learned a lot about machine quilting from those classes. Uh, for my third quilted monkey about using stash, um, I have been, you know, I've bought very little fabric this year. I talked about that in the blog. I do still debate my stash. I haven't actually used too many commercial fabrics of late. Um, well, I mean, yeah, some project I, when I do a donation quilt or when I do a gift for a friend, that's, those are all still from my commercial uh, stash for the most part. But when I'm doing these new projects that I'm just kind of doing for me, I'm always going to my hand dyes. So I'm using my commercial less and less. And I've got still a fair amount of commercial fabric there. So I'm, I, I keep having this internal debate with myself. Should I try to sell it off? Should I try to donate it? Do I just leave it alone? It is nice. I've got a nice stash. It's not huge. But it is big enough that if I have a new project I want to do, for the most part, I can do it from my stash. Um, maybe have to buy borders, backing, you know, those kind of pieces. But for the most part, I can do everything else from my stash. So that feels good. Uh, but it is also you know, I feel sad for the fabric <laughs> that it's sitting there and not being used. And I do feel like I'm looking at fabric that I will probably still be looking at three years from now. And and so I do kind of question that. Um, but every time I think about trying to sell it off, I just don't know how I would manage that, how I would have the time to manage that. So I don't know. I That one I can't decide yet, but I have been, you know, mostly using stash. I have not bought fabric just for the sake of buying fabric in a long time. I don't think since January. I think the last batch that I bought might have been before that um, that didn't have a specific purpose. So anyway, uh, that's where I stand on my quilty resolutions and that is exactly why I do resolutions. And this year I think I've done better than I usually do um, partly because of the nature of the resolutions themselves. I, you know, I didn't say oh, I'm going to get this, that, and the other thing done and have a whole laundry lists of um, numbered lists of stuff I was going to accomplish and set myself up for failure from the get-go. I, I kept it reasonable. I kept it within the realm of possibility. Um, and I'm achieving that goal. So that, that does feel really good. And I really like the fact that I am much more confident about my machine quilting now. I still have a boatload of machine quilting classes in my Craftsy queue. So we'll see, you know, when I do my recap at the end of the year, where I feel at that point, um, I'm hoping I'll feel even more confident in my machine quilting and maybe actually can say I've gotten pretty good at some parts of it. So that um, is my look at my quilty resolutions. And again, make sure you check in as well and get your name in for that giveaway and um, join up the Linky Party. Or if you don't join the Linky Party, check out everybody else who does. All right, we're going to do some listener feedback. Give me a second. I'm going to pause this while I go pull up my emails. Okay, um, not a ton of comments because it's only been a week. Isn't it nice when I'm actually on a week long <laughs> here and there? Um, but I do have a few plus. I'm not going to respond to any comments that have come in for the second quarter check-in yet, which has been several of them. So we're, we're absent those, folks. I am keeping those in a separate folder and will respond to them after the check-in is over. First of all, I would like to say a uh, big thank you to... Um, Gil or Jill? I'm sorry, I'm not sure how to pronounce your name. Uh, she has, she is a longtime listener, but the first time she's ever contacted me, uh, she takes me with her on journeys up to Scotland. And I've also been to Australia and Portugal with her. So <laughs> thank you so much. I feel so well-traveled now. And I certainly enjoyed my little bit of time in Scotland. And at some point I will tell the story 
about being in Scotland because part of it was very funny. Um, but I always enjoy um, hearing from listeners and it, it's always fun to find out the international aspects. So thank you for your email and let me know how I'm supposed to pronounce your name. Thank you to Daisy W and whew, my email stuck at Beverly and Jackie, who all commented on my blog post about the um, cutting table, a finish in a furniture form, as the title was. Uh, Jackie hopes to do the same someday, and Beverly has one of her own of the same configuration. She also saw it on Pinterest, also really loves it. And Daisy W. is currently using two standalone metal cabinets with Formica tops side by side. She's now thinking about putting a bigger countertop over them to give herself a little bit more room. And it was actually remarkably easy. You know, just you go to um, your big box home store and you give them the measurements that you need and they cut it for you and then help you haul it out to your car. So the only thing you have to make sure is that your car is big enough to hold <laughs> the piece of the measurements that you want or you're going to have to cut it smaller and then figure out how to put it back together when you get it home. So I am absolutely loving this cutting table. So any of you who have been thinking about making yourself a new cutting table, check it out. It's definitely a, a nice setup. Um, thank you to Deborah who posted a comment on my Craftsy Class Review Design It Quilt It with Cindy Needham. And she was very appreciative of getting the detailed review. She wanted to know, she's had her eye on that class due to the design principles, but she is drawn to hand quilting over machine quilting since she finds handwork so relaxing. She wanted to know if there was enough information presented in the class that would also apply to hand quilting. And I think so. I'm not a hand quilter, but like I said in the review, she does talk an awful lot about um, about design principles, about how to use different types of stencils and that kind of thing. And, you know, you'd be able to do that hand or machine. It really does not matter at all. Um, she doesn't, the one thing I was kind of surprised she didn't talk about when she was talking about stencils was anything about continuous line. She didn't really talk about, um, you know, how to assess stencils for whether they would work better as continuous line or hand stencils um but again it, it, you can use any stencils for either one it's just a matter of how many times you stop and start and go over your own lines that kind of thing so i really do think you would find enough she starts cindy needham was a hand quilter first and so a lot of her design principles and everything she probably developed then before she started machine quilting uh so i do Personally, I do think it would probably be worthwhile. She does have another class on whole cloth quilts. Uh, so you might want to check that one out too. I don't know whether she does as much design. I don't own that one. So I don't know if she does the design uh, detail in that one as well. So that is my cautious, hesitant. Yes, I think you would still get a lot out of it. Um, I also want to say thank you to Ozzy Pip. Um, I just can't call you Philippa. I'm sorry. I was thinking of you as Ozzy Pip. Uh, who left a comment on episode 159 and she said she was glad that her postcard to me arrived safely. Um, she didn't want to get too adventuresome f with her first attempts so the ones she made were pretty simple. Um, she did try a bit of applique on the one for her swap partner but not outrageously so and I did see the uh, picture of the one that she sent to her swap partner. It was very cute as well um, and she wanted to know if I'd gotten lots of quilting done on the weekend and I did. It was very nice. Thank you for your comment. Noni also commented before she had actually listened to the episode, but she wanted to know if um, there is a list of banned books somewhere. And there is. 
There's a couple of different places. First of all, there is a link on the show notes to last week's episode, and we will put it again once we do the official blog post that introduces, you know, launches the Band Books Week Challenge. We'll make sure the links are in there as well. Um, and I, by we, I mean Tanisha and I, Tanisha of Crafty Garden Mom Podcast, and I co-host this um, particular challenge. Um, but it's bandbooksweek.org, and it's not band book, it's bandbooksweek.org, all one word. Um, or you can just go to the ALA website, which is the American Library Association, ALA.org. I think it's just their website. Uh, and you have to kind of click through a few times, but you can actually uh, eventually find it on their website. And I did finish reading the book that I had chosen to do this year, and I think I already know what my project's going to be, but I'm going to let it mull for a little bit longer. Um, really enjoyed the book. Uh, I will talk more about that in some future episode at some point. Uh, thank you to Bonnie and Ethel, who both commented on my postcard swap reveal, and they both really like chicken butt. And Bonnie said, every time chicken butt comes up, I remember when my youngest son was two, a friend's teenage daughter played a game where she would tickle him and call him chicken butt. He loved it. Um, cut to the 4th of July party hosted by a friend of a friend, so we knew almost no one. I started a conversation with another guest. We introduce ourselves and my son pipes up loudly and I'm chicken butt. <laughs> He's now 13 and loves hearing that story. <laughs> So, yes, I do appreciate that story as well, Bonnie. Thank you so much for sharing that. Ethel also loves chicken butt, and she thinks I should do a series of chicken butt adventures. She mentions a quilter she knows does a series on the marshmallow chicks that you get around Easter. She makes it very cute and interesting. Um, she's also in the postcard swap, and she's suggested on Twitter that we exchange postcards of val valor with our present swap partners. Um, I, and I'm sorry... Ethel, I hadn't noticed that comment go through. That would be an interesting uh, thing to try to do as well. And she, Ethel says exactly what I think about the uh, postcards as well. It gives her the opportunity to complete a project that is not large but has a big effect on the outcome, and she really wants to continue to swap postcards because it's so much fun to make and receive. And I've also found that the postcard swap allows me to play with design principles and stuff in a very small, easy-to-finish format that then I can put into use the next time I'm doing something bigger. So yes, thank you so much for your comments, Ethel. I appreciate that. Katie Q. I've got so many Katie's. There's so many Katie's that listen. It's so much fun, but I have to keep straight when I get a comment from one of you to say, okay, now this is not that Katie. This is this other Katie. Uh, Katie posted, oh, I'm sorry. I can't read this one because this is part of the Quilty Resolutions check-in and ended up in the wrong folder. So sorry, Katie. <laughs> you'll have to, uh, you'll get my feedback later. Uh, then I also got an email from Tammy who said the cutting table looks awesome. And she says, I did something similar with a four by eight sheet of melanine and four kitchen cupboards, two facing each way. It was so handy and awesome for basting quilts. When she, we moved into this house, there was no place to put it. So I had to leave it very, very big for any face. Um, that would be hard. It would be hard to have to leave this cutting table behind. Now, fortunately, again, mine is in such a way that I should be able to dismantle it and move it. Although, like you said, if there's no room for it in the new place, that would be sad. Very, very sad. Thank you for your comment, Tammy. And Denise also said, um, sent an email after that same blog post about the cutting table. And she said, I wish I had known about the melanine panel for the top. I just used plywood and it's about the same price. If I ever take it apart and redo it, I might add that nice little finishing detail. 
I really like having the melanine because it gives it that really nice finished um, top and it's white, which is actually pretty good for photography. <laughs> I've used that as my background on my photography a few times, so that was helpful. Okay, the last comment is from Anne Peterson of <laughs> the Beyond Basic Machine Quilting class teacher. This really threw me, Anne. Anne, <laughs> you really threw me because I had no idea that any crafts, crafty class teachers actually listened to this podcast. Fortunately, Anne really appreciated the review I gave. <laughs> That's just one of those things when I saw Ann Peterson's name, I did a double take and then kind of read it again to make sure it was really the Ann Peterson and then immediately started thinking, what did I say? What did I say? <laughs> because <laughs> I know I have whined a couple of times about how long it took me to finish that class, but um, Anne does appreciate the review, and she says, um, you also approach the class exactly as I would have, learn what the instructor is showing you, and go on. The project is nice for many, but mostly shows you one way to use certain stitches and how quilting designs can go together. Um, and she says, I've been listening to your podcast since about the first of the year and really enjoy your take on life and quilting. However, in one of the early episodes, I listened to you say you were working on my class, so I thought I would let you get it finished and reviewed without knowing I was listening. <laughs> that was that was a very good thought to have, Anne, because I would have completely choked, I think, had I known you were listening. Um, but now you've also heard me say, without... Any, I did not say this simply because Ann Peterson might be listening, but that what I learned in that class has gone on to affect additional projects as well. Uh, so thank you, Ann, for your comment. And yes, it did sort of throw me, but I really appreciate knowing that you're listening as well. So thank you. Um, so that's it on comments, I think. Hang on, let me check one other place. Nope, found a couple more that just came in today. Um, Kati said, uh, uh, she left a comment on a finish in a furniture form. She says she wished she had a room big enough to have a table like this. And all I can say is you could probably do a smaller version of it just to only use two of the shelves and a smaller um, top or whatever. It's, it's really nice having all that shelving underneath the cutting table. I really appreciate that. Uh, but also thank you, Kati, for commenting. And also to Jay for commenting on my June Craftsy class update, which just went live yesterday. She said, good job on your completions. You are more restrained than I am. I would, I would want to put all my finishes up as soon as I finish them. Um, and that's in reference to the fact that I did finish one other class that I did not include in the June Craftsy class update yet because I haven't written the review. Um, because I'm holding off to see whether I use a technique from the class in a project this month. Uh, so thank you to those two comments, and I got two more comments um, on the Quilty Resolutions check-in, but again, I'm not going to respond to those right now. Those are going to wait until I actually do the full-on, um, the drawing and the check-in and everything. That'll probably be next weekend. So I will probably be posting another episode next weekend because it's the 4th of July weekend here, but my husband and I aren't going anywhere. My daughter's probably going to go up to our family cottage with my side of the family, uh, but I just, I don't really want to be gone right now. And especially because I think the weekend, no, two weekends after that, like I said, we're hosting a big family event for my husband's side of the family here at the house, anywhere from 40 to 100 people. <laughs> Currently, those are the current working estimates of who might be here. So that's a whole other story. And I'll tell you more about that in a future episode. Um, but we will be around next weekend. I'm looking forward to having a very low key weekend again. Um, we might do something on Friday, 4th of July. There's a place called Genesee Country Museum near us that's one of these living history uh, villages. 
and they do a very nice thing for Fourth of July, and it's something I used to actually perform in back when I was in college. Again, that's a whole other story. Uh, so we might do that on the 4th, on Friday, but the rest of the weekend we're just going to stay home and get stuff done around the house, so it should be a fairly low-key weekend for me, which, you know, low-key weekends right now are a very precious thing. We appreciate those. So um, all that to be said, I should get another podcast out next week without a problem. And until then, I do, I'm getting back onto Twitter a little bit more. I am blogging more. I'm starting to kind of come back into social life again, starting to feel much more recovered, partly again, because it's been a very quiet week last week at work, and this week will be a pretty quiet week again. Uh, So all of that feels pretty good. Next week, when everybody gets back and we start the last couple of week crush for our summer events, I might have to go back into hiding again. But for now, feel pretty good. Going to keep talking to people. Um... So I think that's it for this episode. And so we will talk about how you can get a hold of me low the many ways. You can email me at sandyquilts at gmail.com, sandy with a Y, quilts with a Z. You can follow the blog. You can follow me on Twitter and Pinterest and Goodreads and Flickr, all of those places. I'm Sandy Quilts, Sandy with a Y, quilts with a Z. You can like the Quilting for the Rest of Us page on Facebook, and you can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Flickr group. And I really, really hope you will, because I love seeing your pictures. And you can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Kiva team and do good all over the world. And you can find links for all of those things at www.quiltingfortherestofus.com. And so, until the next time, go get your quilty on. Quilting for the Rest of Us is dedicated to Shirley. Love you, Mom. 